Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6, would you stand with me? We'll read starting in verse 6. You're familiar with these verses. Paul has just got through saying that uh, there would be those that suppose that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. A lot of people feel that way. Well, the Lord must be in it. Uh, just because the, uh, that there's gain, just because there's gain in money, just because there's gain in attendance, doesn't mean the Lord's in it. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 6, and that's what we'll start in this morning, 1 Timothy 6, 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You can be seated. That's all we'll read this morning. I'm going to try to preach about contentment this morning, give you a few facts about this word. Uh, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 8 says, Having food raiment, let's be there with content. Let me start by giving you a definition of contentment this morning. And I hope you'll really grab a hold of this because this is such, uh, such good stuff. This comes from Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, uh, which is a good dictionary. Contentment is this, rest or quietness of the mind in the present condition. Now, uh, you ever feel like you need rest or quietness of mind in the present con condition that you're in? Or you just need to learn to be content? Uh, contentment is rest or quietness of the mind in the present condition. Satisfaction, which holds the mind in peace and restrains complaints. It not only restrains complaints, but it restrains opposition and further desires. It often implies a moderate degree of happiness. That's all contentment, okay? Contentment is a good thing. In fact, it's so good that the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I've already mentioned complaining. Complaining is the first evidence of discontentment. Okay? And it is unbelievable amount of complaining that most of us do in a day from day to day. Uh, and, and I wonder what all is it that do you complain about from day to day? It's just a habit. Complaining is kind of a habit. It's a sign. It's a symptom. Uh, it's, it's one of the biggest evidences of you not being content with the things that God has given you. And I'm not going to preach on complaining, but I will say some things about it, is the fact that you complain about having it so good. I, I remember a, a friend of mine, I thought about here, uh, his, his grandmother this morning, and about this time of year, uh, he and I were both trappers, and we got together at his grandmother's house and dyed our traps. I'm telling you, she had a big old pot, and we'd build a fire under it and dye our traps. And uh, I remember from time to time, I'd see his grandmother, and I said, "How you doing, Miss Adcock?" And she said, "This was what she said every single time. How you doing, Miss Adcock? I ain't a doing no good." And then she'd commence to tell me all the things uh, that that. Uh, equivalated with her not doing good, okay? It was all the things that she had to complain about. Uh, surely she could have thought of something uh, to do or something good to say. Numbers chapter 11 verse 1 says that when the people complained, the Lord heard it and he became angry with the people. I mean, we've got people in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1 that God is feeding. He's giving them water to drink. He's, he's keeping their clothes from getting old and he's, he's making sure that they continue to be able to wear the clothes they've got so they don't have to make new clothes or buy new clothes or whatever the case may be. And they're still complaining. Yeah. Why are they complaining? Because they're not content. 
You see, the big problem with your complaining is not your circumstances. You've got a heart of discontent. And that heart of discontent wants to be heard. Wants to be heard. I I read a story about a little boy that was in a store. And uh, people were, he was crying. And he wasn't making a big scene, but he was crying. And and people would ask him, they said, what's wrong? And he said, I've lost my mama. And everybody was trying to console him. And they were giving him pieces of candy. Some were even putting money in his pocket and stuff. And and he's still crying. And people going on trying to console this guy, a little boy, over and over again. And finally, somebody that worked in a store, come to a big department store, came to him and said, little little boy said, I know where your mom's at. He said, I do too. Just be quiet. (laughs) That's the way we are sometimes. We just like to complain because we like to be heard. Uh, like that fella had the dog, uh, man, man sitting on the porch and the dog's laying on the porch over next to him and this fella comes up on the porch and the dog's just carrying on and, 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 and oh, act, acting like the dog's just acting like he's in pain. And he asked the man, he said, what's wrong with your dog? He said, he's laying on the nail. And he says, uh, well, why don't he get up? He said, it don't hurt that bad yet. The dog just wanted to be heard. That's the way some of us are sometimes. We just want everybody to know about how bad we've got it. Well, we really don't have it that bad. Complaining is an evidence of discontentment. You know what contentment does? It hushes the complaints and it hushes the arguments. Amen. I was reading the first time the word content is used in the Bible, Genesis 37, when Joseph's brethren are trying to decide what they see him coming. Here comes this dreamer and they first start talking about killing him and throwing his body in a, in a pit somewhere. And then Judah comes up with this idea. Judah says, I'll tell you what let's do. Uh, let's sell him. Uh, what profit is it if we slay our brother? He's our brother. Let's, let's sell him as a slave and we'll pocket the money. And the Bible says they were content. That ended the argument. Right. Nobody had anything else to say because they were content. The Bible says uh, of uh, uh, Pilate in Mark chapter 15, verse 15, that, to, that Pilate willing to content the people released unto them Barabbas. And that was the end of that deal, wasn't it? Aaron and Moses had a disagreement and Aaron had something to say. He had lost two sons that day and he said what he, when, when he said what he had to say to Moses, the Bible said that Moses was content. I'm trying to tell you that when you become content, it kind of settles things down just a little bit. Amen. It ends the complaining. It ends the arguments. It hushes those things. The Bible says here in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Benjamin Franklin said this. This is a really good quote. Contentment makes poor men rich. Contentment makes poor men rich. You ever heard that saying, as happy as if you had good sense? You ever heard that? That's kind of a a strange way of putting it, but contentment makes poor men rich. But then Benjamin Franklin went on to say this, discontentment makes rich men poor. You know, I am looking this morning at at people, and uh, uh, if you don't know the people in this congregation... Uh, like I know the people in this congregation, we're, we're not a congregation of doctors and lawyers and, and, and uh, professionals. Uh, we're just a congregation of, of just working class people, okay? We're, we're not, uh, as far as I know, I mean, some of you've got to hit real well. As far as I know, we're not a bunch of wealthy people. Uh, but I tell you what, I am looking at some of the potentially richest people in the world. If you can just learn to be content, you can be so happy. Contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. One of the best things that you can do for yourself 
One of the best things you can do for your family. One of the best things that you can do for this church. One of the best things that you can do for everybody that you come in contact with is just to learn to be content. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. Gain. And isn't that what the world is after? Gain? Contentment. I told you I was going to preach on facts about contentment. I'm going to share with you some things the Lord's given me in the last few days about contentment. Contentment produces time. Contentment produces time. You say, brother, how can contentment produce time? One of the cliches we hear all the time is, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time for church. I don't have time for my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time. You know why you don't have time? Because you're not content. And you're reaching out and you're grabbing and you're reaching and you're stretching and you're trying to get more, and just a little bit more here and a little bit more there and you're looking and you're, and you're searching for something else and you don't have time for God and you don't have time for family and you're discontent and you can't enjoy what you have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It produces time in your life by way of enjoyment. And I'll talk more about enjoyment before I get through this morning. This is one of the most important things I can say about contentment this morning. Contentment is a powerful resistor to temptation. Amen. You need to grab a hold of this. Contentment is a powerful resistance to temptation. Let me give you an illustration from the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said to the woman, Yea, God said. And he goes on to, to tempt Eve there. And the Bible says that when Eve saw that the tree was pleasant to the eyes and a tree uh, that was good for food and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took thereof. The Bible also tells us that Eve had been given permission to eat of every tree in the garden. Now, one of the reasons why uh, that, that I'm, it's not really, but I am excited for this reason, to go to the Philippines. Uh, we met, those of us that are going on the trip, met with Brother Doni, who is, uh, was a missionary, and his wife, his wife is a Filipino native, and they told us, uh, we met with them Friday night, and they said, the fruit is unbelievable. They said, the fruit is, they said, the best bananas you've ever ate, and different kinds of bananas, and somebody said, different kinds of bananas? Yeah, different kinds of bananas. He said, he said, some are chocolate, Chalky. And I said, chocolate? Chocolate banana. <laughs> I, mean, I, I started getting excited. But not a chocolate banana, but a chalky banana. And that's not, that wasn't the good ones. We talked about all the mangoes and all. The, he said, the pineapples will be the sweetest you've ever eaten. Imagine Eve in the Garden of Eden. And she could eat as much as she wanted to of any fruit that she wanted to, anytime she wanted to. But. That wasn't enough. Eve, through the devil's allurements, discontented with what God had allowed her to have, took of the fruit thereof and gave to her husband with her. Contentment is a powerful resistor to temptation. Amen. Do you know if you're content with what you got, you won't steal? If you're content with what you've got, you won't be covetous. If you're content with your spouse, you won't commit adultery. Amen. Contentment is a powerful resistor to temptation. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. It produces time. It resists temptation. Contentment is perhaps the greatest testimony. Think about it. Contentment is perhaps the greatest testimony. Listen, don't tell everybody, uh, don't, don't go around telling everybody about how uh, glad you are to be saved and let them see your life go around trying to reach out and try to grab a hold of things in the world. Because that is simply saying to the world and the people you're trying to win that Jesus isn't enough, I want something else. Contentment in the Lord is such a great testimony. It's a testimony of satisfaction. We got a song in this blue book that says satisfied. All my life long I had panted for a drink from some cool spring that I hoped would quench the burden of the thirst that I felt within. Hallelujah, I have found him. And I'm not looking for something else. I'm not telling you that it's, I'm not saying today, listen, if, if your boss gives you a, job, a promotion or, a, or an increase in your wage, thank God for it, but you don't have to have it to be content. Amen. Contentment is perhaps the greatest testimony. It's a testimony of satisfaction, a testimony of pleasure, a, tes- a testimony of sufficiency. I got enough with him. Matthew 13, Jesus tells about the pearl of great price. And he says, a man finds that. He sells everything else he's got so he can have that pearl of great price. Hallelujah, I found him, amen. I found the pearl of great price. Contentment's the greatest testimony. Contentment, Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Philippians chapter 4, talks. I'll refer to it again before I get through this morning. It talks about a lot about contentment. And Paul said, he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content." I'm going to tell you something this morning. Contentment has to be learned. Contentment has to be learned. You have to teach or or, or learn. It needs to be taught. God can teach you. And you might can learn yourself. And maybe the Lord had had learned Paul, okay? If I can say it that way. Uh, Paul had learned. And whatsoever state, if he's in prison, he's content. If he's got liberty, he's content. If he's preaching, he's content. If he's hungry, he's content. He's learned in whatever state he's in, therewith to be content. And he's saying this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that it's great gain coupled with godliness. Contentment has to be learned. And I'm going to tell you why it has to be learned. Because your human nature is full of greed and covetousness and selfishness and envy. Yeah. And if you allow those things to rule in your life, instead of contentment, you're going to have contention. Maybe we should be a little more interested in words and where they come from, but I noticed that the root word of contention is the same as contentment. Isn't that something? You know what contention is? I told you what contentment was. Contentment is a, is a, is a state of satisfaction, a, a state of uh, uh, peace uh, with your current condition. But contention is when you start searching uh, for contentment and you're never going to find it. And, you, and even contention becomes violent at times because people are looking something and they're never satisfied. That's contention. And instead of contentment, you'll have contention. If you don't uh, follow the things of the Lord, you'll never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. Contentment's got to be learned. You know what I want to learn? I want to learn contentment. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Amen. That's what the Bible says. 
He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. They asked John D. Rockefeller, and you've heard it before, you've heard me say it before. They asked John D. Rockefeller back in the 20s, I guess it was, he was one of the wealthiest men, if not the wealthiest man in the United States. They said, how much money does it take to make a man happy? And they said he thought for a little bit, he said, just a little more. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Just a little more. No matter how much you got, I'll be happy if I had just a little more. You've heard the story about the fellow one time. He's buying up property everywhere, every piece of ground that come up for sale, he is buying it. And somebody said to him, they said, uh, you trying to buy the whole country up? And he said, no, I just want what joins me. <laughs> and every time he buy another piece of ground, there's another piece joined it. Do you see what I'm saying? This thing of, of, of the world, it goes against God. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's got to be learned. It's got to be learned. You'll never be satisfied without it. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. You've got to learn contentment. That's why I'm preaching to you this morning. I'm preaching to you about contentment so you can learn it and you can have this great gain that the Bible tells about. Now, I'm preaching to Christians this morning. You'll never be able to be content. You'll never learn contentment until you first get saved. But by the grace of God, God's people ought to be content. We ought to be content. In fact, my next point is this. What should be required to make us content? Well, we have the answer right here. Verse 8, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. There you go. Didn't say anything. My cell phone did it. Didn't say anything about owning your own house. Matter of fact, didn't say anything about a house, period. Didn't say anything about a nice car. Why aren't you content? Let me read you a verse. You ought to memorize this one. It's Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation, that's your lifestyle, Not just the things you say, but the things you live. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know what that verse is saying? That verse is saying, if you've got Jesus, if you've got him... He that saved you from a devil's hell, he that has written your name in the Lamb's book of life, he that has given you everything that you've got, every good and every perfect gift is from above and from the Father of lights and whom is no variable to see the shadow of turning. He that has saved your soul from a devil's hell, you've got him in your heart. What else could you want? What else could you want? I gotta have me a cup of coffee. kidding you ought to be content without a cup of coffee boy I've hit a snag now hadn't I why can't you be content and be saved Amen. 
the disciples have been out casting out devils. They've been healing. They've been doing all manner of works. And, and they come back and tell Jesus, man, this is pretty incredible. Even the devils are subject to us through your name. Jesus said, oh, that's nothing. He said, don't rejoice because of that. Rejoice because your names are in heaven, written Amen. in heaven. Anybody saved this morning? Amen. The Lord, your name is in heaven. Your name is in heaven. Yes, praise the Lord. And one of these days when the roll is called up yonder, they said. Boy, now there's something to get excited about. Amen. I remember Brother Junior Bilbrey testifying one time. He said when things would get bad, when he'd get to feeling sorry for himself, he'd think, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? He'd think for a minute and say, well, I guess I could die. Then he'd say, well, what's the best thing that could happen to me? He says, it's the same thing. <laughs> 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 to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. God's people ought to be content. Amen. We ought to be content. Here's the thought that the Lord began to work in with me this week concerning contentment. Remember, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. We have more than required for contentment, right? Oh, yes. don't, don't we have more yes, than what? More than required for contentment. Then we should be more than content. Amen. If you have more than what the scripture says is required for contentment, then you ought to be more than content. Brother David, what is more than content? Well, you ought to be able to worship without being distracted. Yes, now. Amen. You know why your mind's way out yonder somewhere? Because you're not content with what's going on in here. Now. But if you've got more than what's required for contentment, you ought to be more than content. You ought, be able, you ought to be able to worship undistracted. You ought to be able to pray undistracted. You ought to read your, be able to read your Bible undistracted. You ought to be full of praise and joy and serving God and others because of the contentment in your heart because you've got more than is required even to be content with. Yeah. Well, I've got you to this point, and now I'm going to give you four ingredients for contentment. The Lord gave me this earlier this week, and uh, I had even written down three ingredients for contentment. This morning the Lord gave me the fourth one. And so I marked out three and put four. Four ingredients for contentment. I tell you, I want to be content, don't you? Yes. Such great gain. Well, here is where contentment starts with. Thankfulness. Yes. Contentment starts with thankfulness. Amen. And if you're not thankful for what you have right now, you will never be content. If you're not thankful for what you, if you're not, say, Brother David, I wish, uh, my car, uh, man, it's a rattle trap. Be thankful. Amen. Some yeah. people don't have a car. Right. Some people live in their car. Uh -huh. yeah. If you can't be thankful for what you have, you'll never be content. Right. You will never be content if you're not thankful for what you've got. You show me discontentment and I'll show you somebody that's unthankful. Yeah. Go with me to Daniel chapter 6. I want to show you something the Lord showed me. I've, I've shared it in a different way. I'm going to share it with you this way this morning. You know what the most powerful part of Daniel praying three times a day is? I'm fixing to share it with you. Now, it's pretty amazing a man gets told that he's gonna, if he prays, he's going to get thrown into a den of lions, right? 
That's pretty amazing that he would pray anyway. Now look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did four times. Now, you say, Brother, what's so amazing about that? Well, remember that Daniel, as a young man, was an orphan. Daniel's parents have been killed. He's been taken. He's a prisoner. He is a captive in a foreign land. And it's worse than that. He's a eunuch. And uh, I don't hardly know how to explain that other than to tell you that he has no ability to reproduce children. It's been taken away from him by a knife by foreigners. So we've got, we've got a guy that's orphaned at an early age. He's a captive in a foreign land. He's a eunuch. And now he's being persecuted. The whole law is aimed to catch Daniel. Everything about the don't pray thing is all aimed at Daniel. They want to kill him. So he's an orphan. He's a eunuch. He's a captive. And he's persecuted. And it's against the law to pray. But three times a day, Daniel prays and says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know what I'm going to say? No wonder Daniel had an excellent spirit. I think Daniel was content. You will never be content until you learn how to be thankful. How do you start your day? How how do you start your day? Hey, this morning. Uh, Where's my coffee? How you feel this morning? Uh, don't ask. <laughs> and for some of you, if it's every day, uh-huh. it might be all right if it was once to every six months. Some of you, it's every day. You know what you ought to do? You ought to start your day with thankfulness. Amen. For you young people, uh, there comes a time, and I'm there. Okay? It hurts to get out of bed <laughs> every day. Every day. Every day. <laughs> it hurts. Oh, I ain't making it up. Oh, I sure am glad I can get out of bed. Amen. Yeah. I'm glad I ain't in a hospital bed. Now. Or a nursing home bed. Uh-huh. Amen. Or laying in a casket. Yeah. Yeah. You ought to try thankfulness and start your day. Yeah. Daniel prayed and gave thanks three times a day when he was an orphan and a captive and a eunuch and, and persecuted for his faith. You're never going to be content if you can't be thankful. Amen. You're never going to be content. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, if, if, I had a, if I had a nice car, or if I had a nice house, or if I was married to somebody else, I could be content. No. 
You're, you're never going to be content. Right. You're never going to be content until you learn how to be thankful. Amen. Right. Because contentment begins with thankfulness. Yes. Number two, four ingredients of contentment. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 16, 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself yes, sir. and take up his cross and follow me. You will not learn contentment without self-denial. You will not learn contentment without self-denial. You can't appreciate something until you've had to do without it. It's been said this way, you don't miss the water till the well runs dry. Don't appreciate your health until you're in the doctor's office. Self-denial. You know what would be good for you? Skip a cup of coffee. You don't drink it always. You know what aggravates me? My wife will have a cup of coffee. She, I mean, I, I can tell when she's up. I hear that, hear that, that, that thing going, you know. I know she's up. And then sometimes I'll go up there and I'll say, you ain't going to drink the rest of that? No, I've had all I want. I'll finish it off. Now, I'm not just preaching at her. It sounds like it, don't it? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you it would be good for you every once in a while to skip a meal. Amen. It would be good for you every once in a while to skip dessert. Yes, sir. Amen. Be good. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It would be good for our young people to do without dessert every once in a while Amen. or a piece of chewing gum or a piece of candy. You can't appreciate what you don't know what it's like without. And you know what's wrong with our, 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 this, this younger generation that was born with a cell phone in their hand? They don't know what it's like to do without anything. Uh-huh. Self-denial. Cut the TV off. There was a national holiday for the Jews where they got out of their houses and camped out. Uh-huh. Not in the campers like you all are camping in. They, they made them a hut. Uh-huh. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. They made them branches and stuff. They got out and they camped out under the, in the open air on the ground. Yeah. You know what that do? That make them appreciate something. Amen. Drink water every once in a while. Good. Yeah. yeah. How do you think Paul learned to be content? I'm just talking about the ingredients of contentment. It's great gain. Do you want this great gain? Number one, thankfulness. Number two, self-denial. And number three, before I tell you what number three is, let me give you a little uh, English lesson that I had to find out myself. The prefix, pre means it goes in front of the word, E-N, means to put into or provide with. For example, enslave. E-N, slave. If you enslave someone, you put them into slavery. If you enrich someone, you put them into riches. If you ensnare someone, you put them into a snare. If you enroll a child in a school or a Sunday school uh, class, then they have been put on the roll. If you, if you are enlightened, you have been provided with light. If you uh, enumerate something, you've put it into numbers, okay? So here's the word. 
that I'm using as an ingredient for contentment. Enjoy. Enjoy. Let the things that you have provide you with joy. Amen. Good. Let the things that you already have put you into joy. Because if you can't enjoy what you already have, you will not enjoy what you want. Good. Learn to enjoy. Simber David, I wish I'm looking for another job. Okay? I'm not against you looking for another job, but first learn to enjoy the job you've got. You gotta work at it. If you're still in First Timothy, look down at verse 17. We didn't read that far. Verse 17 says this. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. But listen to this. But in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Amen. God gives us things to enjoy. Amen. God doesn't give you something until you can get something better. Because you're never going to enjoy anything until you learn to enjoy what you've got. Enjoy the car you have now. If God gives you another one, thank him for it. Enjoy the house you've got now. Enjoy the job you've got now. I want this to be my motto. I don't want to reach out for something else until I've learned to enjoy the one I've got now. Because God gave it to me to enjoy. The ingredients of contentment, thankfulness, self-denial, Enjoying what you have. And then the last one is just simply this, faith. Just trusting God, trusting God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. In fact, I've already quoted Philippians 4, 11, where Paul said, uh, whatever state I'm in, I've learned therewith to be content. He goes on to say in verse 19 of that same chapter, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Uh Well, that's faith, that's faith. Now remember what the contentment definition was? Rest or quietness of the mind in the present condition, satisfaction which holds the mind in peace and restrains complaints, opposition, and further desires. It often implies a moderate degree of happiness. That's what I've been preaching to you. I've asked Rebecca to play for the invitation this morning a song entitled, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. You will not be content without faith and trust in Him. But if you can be content, I tell you, it'll be such great gain for your life. It'll be such great gain for your family, for our church services. Yeah. Amen. you probably make less trips to the doctor's office if you learn to be content. Yeah. Rebecca, come if you would this morning. The hymn writer said, My faith has found a resting place not in device nor creed. I trust the everlasting one. His wounds for me shall plead. I tell you, you got Jesus? You got Jesus? Let your conversation be without covetousness. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, I tell you what, we ought to just be content, amen? If if, If you never get anything else, you ought to be content. God's been good.